Hey everyone, welcome back to the Confidently Anxious podcast. Today we are joined by Andy Chen. What's cool about Andy's story is that he broke out of his comfort zone during extended solo travels in Europe. This resulted in him meeting a girl and forming a relationship while spontaneously traveling to different countries. He made a ton of other beautiful connections at hostels and Tomorrowland that would not have been possible unless he broke out of his standard routine. He totally sold Tomorrowland to me, by the way. I'm down to go next year. In this episode, there's a ton of valuable insights around unity, expressing authenticity, and having an open heart. We also talk about positive masculinity through vulnerability and how this relates to everyone being a positive, confident person. Enjoy. Andy Chen, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Honored to be here. I'm doing lovely. Thank you for having me. Day one, you're headed out the door on your way to embark on a European journey to catch your flight. Can you walk me through it? What are you doing? How are you feeling? Obviously nervous excitement. It's the first time I get to travel for an entire month in my entire life. And so before then, I already set a few intentions of what I wanted this trip to look like. But also, I realized that ultimately, going with an open heart and lowering my expectations or not having any attachment to any outcome that I expect would uh, be helpful in this journey. And that's what I did. So I scurried my way to Italy, Rome, on my first leg of the trip and got myself to one of the uh, more social hostels. Uh, it was called Yellow Square Rome. And my gosh, uh, I don't know if it was because I was just, uh, I got laid off in February. So my social interaction have, has been limited, but I always saw myself as like a so- relatively social guy. I was a social chair for my uh, organizations in college. And, but when you're just still put in that situation of just intense, uh, extroversion in a room of a ton of extroversion, I was nervous. I felt like I was rusty. I felt like I was out of place. Um, but slowly throughout the days, just putting yourself in a hostile environment where you're in a similar place where everyone is either solo traveler or traveling in uh, groups of two or three that are open to waking up at the beginning of the day and, uh, and not knowing how the day will go and how the day will end. And the beauty in that was exactly what I wanted. Nice. And when you say rusty and feeling out of place, what exactly do you mean? I remember a specific moment, like after 20 hours of travel, getting from Dallas-Fort Worth all the way to Rome, I think two or three legs uh, of connections that I like planned my own adventure with. Um, I got to the hostel bar because I was waiting for my hostel room to open up. And I just remember like seeing a bunch of people, uh, at tables. However, I was scared to even go up and like introduce myself. I was slightly 
reserved, I would say. But that soon changed after you're put in a situation for two to three days and you really feel the vibe of how open everybody is and you get to join in and ultimately add to that experience for others is exactly why uh, I really recommend hostels. What do you think the significance of entering a new environment, knowing you're about to be on an adventurous experience and that opening you up to be more outgoing to connect with people compared to in our typical routines where we wouldn't be as willing to do that? Mm, I love that. For me, I believe there's greatness in routines, obviously. We're routines of creature, but also routines sometimes can't, uh, depending on the routine, it doesn't allow for flexibility or spontaneity. And I feel like the difference between traveling and being in a hostel allows you to open up the, the wonder of what an adventure could be in my opinion, opens up the idea of play as well. But in routine, a lot of times you're, you're playing a bit. Mm. I wouldn't say you're playing a bit less, but because you're just sometimes on autopilot a bit, uh, the idea of fun is, I wouldn't say taken away, but mm. it's uh, there's less of an opportunity where you're seeking it. Uh, that's my, my opinion. What do you think, Reed? For sure. Well, when we're caught inside of our routines, it can be so easy to just be tunnel visioned inside of that pattern. And I can relate with my wife and I, we're moving to Germany in December. So my mindset leading up to that has been a lot of tension building, just, hey, execute my current routine, see these through. And then once we get to Germany, like you said, and I love that you said play, because it's just adventure like the world is our oyster let's go connect like i'm ready you know i feel open to meet new people explore them see what they're all about whereas inside of your routines it doesn't reinforce that mindset as much at least that's what i've experienced that is cool because obviously you're in the execution phase for planning for germany at the moment but leading to that like you probably are either planning or projecting that there's going, your routine is going to be changed and there's going to be a lot more elements that are going to be different than your current routine. So I'm curious, like, have you thought about or visioned what that's going to look like? Honestly, similar to you. And I love that you said not having expectations before going on this travel experience, because I think there's a lot of value in just letting it take you and mm. seeing what comes out and leaving yourself open to see maybe there's undiscovered parts of yourself that come out that you didn't realize before. And then maybe different routines are expressed through that non-expectation and that openness. Um, so I'm curious, since because you were in Europe for how long? I think 29 days, to be exact. Yeah. 29 days. Wow. Shout out okay, bank account. Okay, so for those 29... What, bank account? No idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, exactly. You just got to accept the cash spend. Um, so I'm curious, in those 29 days, did you... Was it mostly all spontaneity? Or did you have rooms where you saw certain habits and routines that you would... Uh, that would just naturally come out kind of mm, throughout your week? That's a great question. Because for me... I was quite intentional in terms of having days where I just had nothing to do, especially at the hostel. I only planned, uh, I was very structured in planning out two of the six days that I was there, where my itinerary started 
at 10, I would go to this brunch place. I would then hit this museum, uh, the Colosseum, and then maybe the Pantheon after. And I had two days where it was very structured. Uh, but I knew, one, because of the jet lag, I want to give myself some time to acclimate. But also, two, the um, like planning for spontaneity, in a sense, where it, which opens me up mm-hmm. to a lot more adventure. Because, yes, adventure can be like, oh, I know I'm going to do this today. But also another form of adventure and wonder for me that really gets me going is having no idea where I can just wake up. And like, for example, uh, on the second day I was there, I woke up, I went to the hostel bar thinking I was going to go on the, uh, I think it was a pasta making class that got canceled uh, because nobody showed up for it. I was the only person. And so I just walked to the bar thinking like, what should I do now instead? And I met this girl from Chile who was super dope. And we spent the entire day together. She brought some of her friends uh, after in the afternoon. And we just all like got to know each other on a deeper level, like tried to figure out each other's cultural differences, the similarities in each other's cultures. But also at the same time, you're exploring and adventuring in a totally new city, uh, in new country. And that just mm. adds to, I think... Uh, the beauty and the experience. What were this, um, some of those similarities and differences? She's from Chile. Uh, so she loves hiking. Patagonia is just right around the corner for her. Uh, so for her, in terms of Latin America and North American, um, it's tough because for me, I'm an immigrant from Taiwan. So I bring a lot of traditional Taiwanese values, but I, because I'm an immigrant, I got to really pick and choose which cultures and which values most align to my own mission. And so it's hard to say, it's hard to generalize what cultures I have because it's not just American and it's not just Taiwanese. Because one of the goals for myself when I do travel is I get to pick and choose from all the cultures of the world that I get to really build my own uh life mm. around it. Uh, but to answer your question, I'd say the, the ones that stood out is, uh, and maybe this is just because it's in a hostile setting, but wonder for the world, the adventure aspect, and also um, South Americans love to dance. And uh, we, found, we found that out well, <laughs> with her friends and, and our friends at the hostel bar. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love how you said picking and choosing based on your exposure to multiple different cultures which you identify with and how much you identify with those and then conjoining them to contribute to your overall identity expression can you tell me more about about that for me i wasn't really a big dancer or just to give more context traditional taiwanese or asian cultures are more reserved less quote unquote open in terms of western ideologies and uh, there are benefits to that. Obviously, family uh, at a core means it's more tight-knit and you build. You can build a lot more, in my opinion. But also the open style of Western cultures and even like European cultures, I think allows more flexibility where it allows mm. for the individual to be more independent and be independent thinkers. While Asian cultures are very particular and hey this is the ideology that has worked 
and there's less flexibility around getting to pick and choose your, I wouldn't say your path, but you wouldn't want to stray too far away from traditional values if I was in Asia, because you'd be seen as sort of an outsider or more of a progressive. Uh, but in my opinion, if you're a progressive, you can be uh, labeled as a progressive in Taiwan, but you'd just be an average American. Got it. That's great that you can see the value in both, because I imagine from an Asian upbringing, uh, discipline would be reinforced as well, maybe inside of that. Uh, I don't want to say rigidity. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you would consider it rigidity. <laughs> a little bit. But that, yeah, but that could add to discipline. And then you get the flexibility and the creativity of the, of the European culture exactly. at the same time. I'm excited to hear about like, how your identity or how your, uh, your own culture will evolve as you go to Germany and live there. And it's like in very different cultures. Cause I did go to Munich as well as Berlin uh, and mm. both great places. And uh, I'm just excited to see how that like evolves you as well. What was Germany like? Germany. Okay. Let me take a step back here. This was Germany was right after Tomorrowland. I got COVID I'm pretty sure because Tomorrowland is like a bit of a super spreader event, even though um, uh, I highly recommend everyone joining this, like literally the ep epitome of what a international global music festival is about. I love Germany. I didn't get really the time and day to explore it because I was recovering. Mm, got it. Okay. From music so, festival and possibly flu or COVID itself. Okay. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was, I was curious to see how Berlin is because that's where we're moving. But to go back to what you were saying on how my identity evolves from Germany, I'm really excited because my heritage is from Germany. Mm. My, um, that's how I'm qualifying for dual citizenship. I so can't lucky. wait for that certificate to come, man. I, I'm, I've been waiting. But the whole process is so – there's no updates. It's so old school. They're just uh. like, yeah, it'll come in the mail in like a year. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just chill Jeez. until then. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what exploring my roots, uh, does and how that brings out a different side of me from that exposure. Heck yeah. Do, would you say, would you consider yourself a German American at the moment or would you just say you mainly American? I think, I think once we get over there and we experience it, start really learning the language, I'm excited to, we're, we're going to join language learning classes right when we get over there. Cause that would be a great uh, gateway to meeting people too, mm -hmm. since we're all in the same boat, trying to learn German, exploring the land. I think it'd be fantastic. Um, and then also I'm, I'm very linguistic. I love language. That's why I love this podcast. I love talking. I love writing. Um, so to explore a different language, I think that's gonna inevitably bring out another side. So I'm excited to see what that looks like, how I think differently. Yeah. Especially with language, because language is like at, goes hand in hand with culture. There are words in German that probably don't directly translate to the American language. And that itself is a different like cultural, I wouldn't say gap, but cultural difference where they can mm. describe something in such detail, potentially because the occurrence is higher or like they value that specific emotion or word more versus in another culture. So that'd be kind of interesting to, to see. Yeah. Cause words trigger a whole 
thought stream of ideas. So to see one word looked at in a deeper meaning or a different meaning, I can only imagine what would result from that. Do you have an example of, because you're, you're bi bilingual, mm -hmm. um, do you have an example of the difference of languages and kind of what you've learned throughout mm -hmm. that? I can't think of any specifics in the moment, but I know sometimes in Mandarin, there are specific, uh, specific adjectives for food that just like aren't even present in the American language. And personally, obviously I'm from Taiwan. I think Asian food is objectively better. <laughs> I might get some hate it's on great. here. Objectively <laughs> better than American food. And like, maybe I could say that because we just have way more adjectives to describe food. Asian culture cares about it more. I'm probably going to get some hate off this, but that's, that's my objective opinion. <laughs> yeah. My wife and I were actually going to a Thai restaurant tonight. We're super pumped about it. Let's go. It's over here in West village. It's called like Mai Thai or something. It's mm. so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, to kind of take a step back to the hostel experience, what was your mindset as a solo traveler? From my understanding, you've traveled solo before. Can you describe how often you've traveled solo? Have you traveled with people before? And what's the difference? So a small asterisk. I've traveled solo, but I've only like traveled to places solo. And it was only for like maybe one or two days. And it was mainly for work. Uh, but this is the first like solo travel experience I've had that was entirely dedicated to like not having any outside and external influences and be totally like new language, a uh, new city, new country and open up your heart. Like for me, I wanted to do a study abroad in college, but I didn't have the funds to do it. And so I almost looked at this trip as my mini European study abroad. And I went out with the idea of I'm here to meet other like-minded individuals that would be the same if I was in a study abroad and like, let's go out and adventure and not have any expectation. Um, and it took me on a wild ride uh, and not to go into specifics or anything, but like I was able to meet one of, I basically had a bromance in Italy where I met yeah. this guy that was so dope. Uh, we shared we follow the same people, same influencers in terms of personal development. We've read the same books. He was reading a personal development book when he was there. I was also reading a personal development book. We got to share our ideals. And one of the main things, one of the main reframes that he allowed me to see uh, in terms of um, traveling was the cost of travel can actually be seen as investment. And mm. That just shifted my ideals because obviously I've been unemployed since February. Uh, my goal is to follow the path of entrepreneurship. And so having a longer runway is always like one or two in terms of priority. And so I'm just like pastas and freaking wine is not as it's, it's affordable, but it's like not cheap in Italy still, especially if you're eating mm -hmm. at nice restaurants and you're eating out every day. So there were moments where I was just like, wow, do I go out to this group dinner because I would rather maybe like get a baguette or like eat something quick and focus more time somewhere else. But then I didn't want to limit myself from uh, the experience of 
meeting different people or just sharing that moment of dinner, regardless of that price. But he allowed me to see that. He was like, hey, he saw travel. Yes, it's a, it's a cost, but also as an investment to expose you to different ideologies, to different people, to different experiences that ultimately allows you to really be the building blocks of the person you want to grow into. That's great. And that mental framing makes the entire experience feel so much different because you're not viewing it as an expenditure or something pulling away from you. Instead, it's an investment in your character, how you view the world, how you are building yourself. So that's amazing. He was able to do that for you, man. I'm really big on investing in ourselves, especially in our 20s. I think it's important to just try as much as we can, act as much as we can, experience as much as we can, and invest whatever it takes inside of that. Because if you're just going the passive income investment and finances route, that that inherently seems so closed off from investing in your perspective for the rest of your life. 100% agree. Why should my time horizon be freaking 30 years out when I'm 59 and a half years old? Uh, versus like, why not put yourself out there where I would say we're most at most tolerant to risk at the moment and we can have, uh, the highest, uh, returns in terms of like where we want to invest in. hundred percent. And it, it just, uh, I don't know if we're being single-minded or not, but that just sounds like, it just sounds like a no-brainer to me because what else are you going to do? Just invest and then just like wait, this whole like waiting for retirement path. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's completely phased out by most people. Maybe it's not, (laughs) but for me, that seems very phased out because I'm not banking on not working when I'm 65. I'm, I'm banking on like still experiencing, investing meaningfully and whether that's business or some type of investments or like still, you know, sharing some form of expression for consumers at some level, like the, the podcast would be an example. So yeah, I, and I think investing in experience through travel just adds to all of those things. Yeah. And one thing I want to like tip my hat to you is there's this book I read called The Fast Lane to Becoming a Millionaire. And one of the main tenets in that is literally we have to shift our ideas from, or just the way we live from being a consumer to being a creator, to being a producer. And that's how you really can offset and like create more impact, which ultimately impact is very tied to revenue in a capitalistic society. Uh, don't wanna go off too, mm. too many tangents, but like being a creator and being a producer, in my opinion, is the way to not just open yourself up to the world, but also open yourself up to like different opportunities as well as maybe uh, an earlier financial freedom path. 100%. Has this, the early onset of travel, I understand you plan on making travel a bigger part of your life even going forward, but has that sparked any creative ideas around how you can be more of a creator instead of a consumer? Um, not to get ahead of myself, but maybe from like a brand building perspective, even mm. a business. Yeah, there's, I do have a few ideas in terms of uh, entrepreneurship. There's this podcast that I listened to called uh, My First Million, and they talked about three brothers from Germany uh, yeah. and how they became billionaires was um, 
kind of a simple idea, but obviously I don't want to oversimplify, but like they took, what they did was take successful business plans, uh, companies with successful companies that already had a ton of recurring revenue, companies like uh, Groupon, like Facebook, as well as PayPal, and they just set up the exact replica or as close as a replica as they could in Germany without it being copyright laws. And they built it up to enough users and sold it back to the original companies and exited. And in my opinion, that was when I realized, hey, I don't have to be the greatest innovator in the world to have financial or entrepreneurship freedom. I can just bring things that are already working to other places that are more underdeveloped, maybe Latin America, uh, and I will allow that to be uh, my path to, to entrepreneurship because I'm still making an impact for others. I'm just evangelizing a great idea. So that's that's where I'm at. Uh, there's a company called Hims that I would love to bring to Taiwan or Latin America, but I don't want to derail this conversation. Well, uh, if that actually kicks off, well, we might have to do another part three. We'll see. Yeah. Well, m maybe just quickly then, what is a key motivator for you to be an entrepreneurial contributor? And, and is the direction you're headed as far as your idea of entrepreneurship altogether, is it called towards other cultures outside of America entirely? As a global man, international man, self-proclaimed Mr. 305, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing. Um, I, in my opinion, if I can involve more people, if I can have a bigger market, obviously niches are also great, but if I can impact, make an impact uh, on a global scale, uh, I think that really intrigues me because ultimately we're people with different cultures, with different ideologies. But at the very end of the day, like we still close our lights and go to bed, I hope. And like we, we do very similar things, have similar routines, have families, love, etc. And uh, it would be cool if I can feel a bit of unity through entrepreneurship and mm. make the place a smaller place, make the world feel like a smaller place. That's beautiful. That's great. So would that be your impact motivator? And then what, what other motivators do you have? I know you were alluding to like pasta and wine costing a lot. So I imagine <laughs> just like the flexibility and independence that you would gain as well. Yeah, 100%. For me, financial freedom, uh, coming from an Asian background, especially an Asian immigrant, it's always about making it uh, in the first, just making it in general. That was like the uh, instilled uh, theme from a lot of Asian American immigrants of like, we've sacrificed so much uh, so that you can have an opportunity to make it whatever it means. And sometimes... Traditional Asian parents, they want you to follow what their idea of it means. And so it's also been conflicting for many American, Asian Americans or Im Amer immigrants like me to uh, really be able to set their own path, but also uh, not like make their family proud. Obviously, that's uh, a goal, but just have a healthy relationship with your family that saying like, hey, success is my own hands. I love the support that you've given me and I will love you guys back in uh, 
in the way that I, I'll set for myself. That's great. And tying it back to your friend viewing travel as an investment, it can also be looked as, and we talked about this in the last episode, but perhaps going down that corporate path could be considered like the framing is really important. So maybe that would be associated as more of an expense as opposed to when you're putting discipline or accountability for yourself through entrepreneurship, that can be viewed more as an investment, which just improves your whole experience for getting to that flexibly independent and financial stable place. That is, that's a great call out actually. Yeah. Cause especially on the path of entrepreneurship where there's more flexibility and less structure, uh, like less of a defined path, you're taking the path, the road less traveled. Um, any exposure to different ideas could be a nugget that can allow you to, to build what your next few years will look like. So that's great, actually. You mentioned when you had this bromance meeting people with shared interests. And I guess what we were talking about earlier, when you're in your pattern, you can be in a bubble, so to speak. What was the experience of opening up your perspective to there's many people that have very similar interests as me? Mm. That's a good question. For me, and what I mean by bubble is a lot of times, like you and me, we're in the same circle, peer group, where we are in personal development. And that in itself can be a bubble in the States. But what was interesting to me was when I went to Rome in Italy, and I found someone that shared, shared that, like, not bubble, but the, the same ideas in space. And that to me was beautiful because it opened up uh, kind of the realm of possibilities of, oh, I know I have a tribe back in the States, people that share similar ideologies that I love that uh, I would call my family. But then there's also an entire realm of people like that in the world that I haven't met, but that can also bring their own cultures and ideologies to the same, like, same baseline foundation frameworks that we kind of aligned to. So that to me was just exciting and motivating. And like a, a cute little story that happened was, uh, his name is Alexander, he's from Montreal. And during his, during his travels, he met up with his family, uh, his aunt in I think Spain, and she gave him a really nice bottle of wine. They shared that bottle of wine, uh, another bottle, the same bottle of wine, but just another bottle in Spain. and. He, she was like, hey, I'd love if you took this bottle back to your family. Uh, it's a lot of cultural as well as like mem memorabilia. But instead, he was like, hey, we've had such great three days. I want to open this bottle with you because it, we, we had such a moment. And that to me just added to uh, Italy as a romance city. I was just like, damn, I'm getting <laughs> rizzed up by my friend over here. <laughs> but it was, it was so special. Like those moments where he told me that like this bottle was supposed to be brought back from Spain to his family, but he wanted to share with me because he saw me as like uh, a friend of a person or like as close as his family in those three days to me was like why I felt so alive in the moment. It was like, this is what the adventure, the hero's journey is really about. Mm. That sounds like it points to unity as well 
in light of what you were saying in th this moment, um, if you could speak to it more, that'd be great. It was it coming from, I, I love what you said earlier about having shared values, but those values being expressed in different ways based off of different upbringings and cultures, but then we're all tied together through those values regardless. Exactly. You, you put that way more beautifully than I did. I love it. <laughs> uh, like for me, there's so many, so few moments in life where my, in my opinion, unity actually happens like true unity, not like, Oh, we're working for the same goal here. We're in the same company. Mm. That to me is corporate BS in a sense. Like we're a family. I don't want to say it like that, but the level That's of buy-in is going to be different when you have like a 30 person company, right? They're going to be bought into yeah. the mission of the company. If you're working for Google and Microsoft, are people really the 10,000 employees are 50% of them really there to be bought into where the direction of the company is going to go or they're just there to collect a paycheck. So it's very different for me. Like I experienced unity on this trip really through Tomorrowland uh, for the listeners that don't know, it's an electronic music festival in Belgium. It's four days, technically three days, but uh, if you camp, which you really should, everyone should camp, uh, it's four days. And that is just a place where I felt like pureness in terms of what humanity should be about. Like everyone coming together, sharing the same goal, not having, putting their differences aside, but just having the having fun like we're here to listen to music obviously in a fairy tale land uh tomorrowland has 18 stages just fyi and each stage is built beautifully um and there's just like a bit of magic to it and like the place is literally called tomorrowland like uh almost like a utopia for music and that itself I just think there's so many few moments in life where you're not competing against your fellow uh, fellow human uh, in trying to either level yourself up playing in the game of life. But like there's just those in those four days, you get to put those aside and just say, hey, I'm here to have the best time of my life. You are the same. Why don't we work together and make that happen for both of us, all of us? So would you say that when the goal or the intention is to simply experience and be in the moment, having a good time, is that what leaves the most opportunity to connect with people in light of their differences? Whereas maybe if you're Outside of that experience, you could be striving for your own goals and those crossed with others. And then that, you know, maybe adds to that separation. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts here as well, uh, because Tomorrowland itself just adds that magic where it allows you to very easily meet somebody and make, make a small, maybe even deep connection. And there's no really competing of like, oh, I'm having more fun than you are, or uh, this is better. But if you meet the right people and put out the right energy 
I do, you do get that energy back and you'll be able to even enhance that entire experience. Mm, I love that, man. Yeah. I mean, I can relate from just someone who's been in their routine for a little, <laughs> for a lot of it this year, uh, compared to you just returning from this adventurous experience. I can definitely relate that whenever the intention of the day or the purpose is to adventure or experience, just thinking about it now, that framing, it just seems like you'd be a lot more inviting of bringing people together in order to do that. Whereas naturally, when you're outside of that experience, the world, it starts pulling away at you. There's so many distractions. And when those distractions start pulling away at you, it just gets your guard up because of several different reasons, such as just stress. Um, you, you start reinforcing selfishness because you're looking out for yourself. Um, and whether people realize it or not, slowly that starts building and building to your guard just getting up and you start being less open and you start being less loving or at least uh, expressing that love intentionally throughout the day. So yeah, there's a lot there, but I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. You are 100% right. Like there are days, especially like, let, let me just, for example, bring it back to my time in Italy for those two structured days. Uh, yes, I was still in an open mindset, but because I had so much planned, I felt like if someone were to try and grab, or like if I met somebody on the tour and like derailed the rest, it could derail my, uh, the rest of the day of like what I had planned. And so mm -hmm. I was less open and inviting to potentially like putting myself out there or offering uh, inviting others to different plans that I had, because mm. like you said, it could have been a distraction and it's even rings more true when you're in a routine, like working, uh, and you have a more structured life. Cause then it's like any interaction that you have can, like you, uh, like you said, be seen as an potential, uh, distraction to take you away from the goals that you've set out to do. But at the mm -hmm. same time, like it's can be an opportunity for you to deepen a connection if somebody calls you out mm -hmm. of the blue or an opportunity for other areas of growth. But it's a fine balance. It's definitely. And the people can be or the opportunity to connect, just to use that example, could be viewed as a distraction from your goals, but also like the goals could be a distraction from what you really care about in life and where, where your purpose is, which could be explored through those other people, which is why I believe it's incredibly important for people to do like what you've been doing, which is get outside of yourself, go do something spontaneous and adventurous and leverage those insights. And maybe you'll realize that perhaps you should redirect where you're headed. Um, so that you're you're open from that is is that what you've been experiencing now that that you've returned yeah for me i've even from this conversation alone i feel like as i'm building a routine uh now that i'm more stable in texas for the next potentially two to three months uh i want to build more spontaneity into my day or more space for spontaneity uh or just openness um, cause like, I don't want to lose the 
sense of wonder that I have coming out of this trip because I really, my heart felt open and it felt like anything is possible. I could literally do whatever I wanted, uh, like fly to a different country, meet different people. And that to me might not be sustainable, but it could be in different ways. Mm. So uh, that's a good question. That's something I have to think about how I can still create a routine that allows for me to uh, still set myself up for different moments like that. Can you talk more about living in the moment at Tomorrowland? Ooh, I have more than a few examples, but uh, the one that I can think of right now is, and I'll add a bit to this question. Uh, for me, when I feel fully present, I feel like I'm in flow and I want others to feel that as well. So there's this thing that I do at music festivals and it's quite silly. I have these small hands. I don't even know how to describe them, like just tiny hands that you put on at the tip of your fingers. And I give people high fives with those small hands. And it's just so absurd uh, when you're at a music festival, you're listening to the music, to the DJ and this random guy that like maybe you dance with for a second to ask you if he can give you a high five. And so I like put my finger up and they're just like, ha, oh, that is absurd. And then I go, I double down and I like say, <laughs> can, I, can I give you a double high five? And that, that is when like from it, it's two parts for me. One, I get to uh, see the joy or just the foolishness or the silliness uh, on their face of like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. Some people love it. And immediately I know, okay, this guy can be my friend. This girl can be my friend. Uh, but on the other hand, it also opens up space for more play, in my opinion. Like if I can lower myself to a level of silliness so that others don't feel as on guard of like upkeeping a, a look or a, a, an image that they want, I can literally allow the silliness to uh, compound around me and let people just, mm. just be their authentic selves and have incredible fun. And that to me is what like being in the moment really feels like at Tomorrowland because I want the people around me to be able to express themselves freely. And that, in my opinion, just elevates the entire experience. Uh, I Yeah, man, I, I can attest to at Decadence when you were doing that. <laughs> to Alexis and I, we were talking about that for like months after just cracking up because we thought it was so fucking funny. <laughs> so stupid. I love but, it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, a different part of you seems to come out though in those settings yeah. where you just seem extremely confident. You seem loose. You seem super positive and you're sharing that. What about those experiences, but also travel adventure experiences causes that to come out of you? Mm, wow, what a great question. Um, I have noticed that as well. And maybe I, I need to do like a deeper uh, self-analysis of why I feel like I'm most in flow in those moments. One, one the music obviously helps. I think just the setting mm -hmm. too. If I know I'm in a safe space um, because I have friends around me, uh, that allows me one, I can be goofy to these random strangers 
and soak open. They hate it. Some people don't. Some people don't like it. Some people are confused. Uh, they're just like, mm. why are you giving me a high five with a small hand? Most people aren't. But like, then I immediately know, okay, they're not about it. I don't want to bother them. But then if that, mm. I don't even say negative interaction, but that interaction happens, I can still go back to my friends because I know like they, these people are my tribe and I can be mm. goofy and silly and they will, uh, they'll support me in that. And I think to answer your question in a long-winded way, community, uh, support, but also just, I know it's funny. <laughs> it's so funny uh, for doing those little hands because it cracks me up too. And it allows me to just be myself and be my most authentic self. And I think that ultimately like, is where the confidence comes from. I don't know. Nice. What, what were you going to say? Well, um, I forgot what I was going to say initially, but based off of what you just said, I can definitely relate on the importance of having a support system of sorts that can reinforce you to be who you want to be, especially whenever it's coming from a good place. Because if you don't have that, especially whenever you're not just in, in the, like being spontaneous and putting yourself out there, I guess putting yourself out there altogether could be a good example. Um, you can shy away from doing that mm -hmm. if you don't have that reinforcement from people who you know are about it. Um, and, and it's ironic too, and it's really unfortunate, especially with people that reach for goals, but not just attaining a certain achievement, but who you become along that journey. People will cut themselves short and not go down that path and conform because they don't have that reinforcement to pave their own original sort of expression through a good intention. So yeah, man, I, I completely relate that that is really important. Right. And it's very similar. Like you're building this podcast because you have a mission to uh, evangelize these great ideas and other people's thoughts. And like, it would be harder if you didn't have a community of people that supported you and were loyal viewers uh, and listeners, but like you're doing great content. So I know it's going to blow up. But like you said, it's Thanks, man. needing a community, but also being willing to take risks, in my opinion, combined, uh, really makes me feel good. It makes mm -hmm. me feel confident. Like I am risking myself looking like a fool in front of others when I'm giving people double high fives with these small hands. Uh, <laughs> but like ultimately, after a few times, you just realize it doesn't matter. Like the uh the mm -hmm. opportunity or there's i know that one of the outcomes is bring a ton of joy for others and if i have that in mind that vision in sight even if i'm getting rejected of like this is a weird ass kid why is he giving me a double high five i know that i can quickly move on and like still give other people great experiences because i've seen it happen of course brother it's that framing of if you want the world to be joyful, then be joyful. It starts with you. And then as you start expressing that and putting that into action, you'll see everything starts coming together to be joyful based off of what you're expressing in your reality. Exactly. Can you tell me more about Tomorrowland, the people you met through this in the moment uh, sort of mindfulness experience. I, I consider festivals to be a mindfulness experience of just coming together and being in the moment. 
Yeah. Can you tell me more about the people you connected with, what that led to and the beauty within that? Yeah. So I kind of have uh, a fairy tale story to share. Um, I last year of Tomorrowland 2022, I remember you meet a ton of people at these music festivals and most of the time you uh, exchange Instagrams and this year, Somebody that I, a friend that I met, we exchanged Instagrams and we were able to coincidentally, uh, one of the packages we had left from Amsterdam and she lived in Amsterdam. And so we were able to kind of build on that interaction. And so we met up my crew of five and then her crew initially of two, but she also was part of this Amsterdam techno group. And so because we had such a great experience, we first got a dinner just to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say like suss each other out, but just like to see what the vibes were like before we like actually went to the music festival itself. And the dinner was so great. One, just being in a different country and meeting up with somebody that you met a year before and catching up on how your, how your year has been developmentally as well as physically, like that itself adds another element to like, wow, I feel like a human. I'm making connections mm. with globally. And because our vibes fit so well, we got to meet the Amsterdam techno group. And that was cool because essentially these two, our two best friends that we just met, uh, they already filtered out cool people with similar vibes. Mm. that became their friend group and so we really just got to merge two great great friend groups and just have the time of our lives in tomorrowland and like for that to happen we really one shot at social media but two we had to be open to like meeting others at music events like these and uh long story short megan actually the girl that we met up actually became my girlfriend through a series of events be at Tomorrowland because it just breeds wonder and fairy tale dreams. And uh, it's lovely, man. I can't wait for you to come. Yeah, I was going to say, what is particular about Tomorrowland compared to other festivals? For me, what really drew my attention and like there's a specific moment, I think on Saturdays, there's an hour where they call it flag hour, where people across the entire world come and, ex and bring out their flags and you'll just be at the main stage, which houses like, I don't even know, 15, 20,000 people. Like the entire weekend has 400,000 people attending. So you just like Damn. understand the scale of this and you'll have people yeah. that you meet at the festival that like, as you're getting a drink, as you're just like weaving around the crowd and you meet uh, uh, friends in the crowd, strangers in the crowd that become friends, they'll tell you, it has been a dream of mine to come to Tomorrowland. Like I've waited this, waited for this for six to seven years, for 10 years. And because Tomorrowland is international and is quite on the pricier side for like, offsetting medium economies and this stuff as well. Like for a lot of people, uh, they have to be like in their thirties or forties to like be able to build enough to actually make a, a trip like this. And mm -hmm. like, it's cool because you can feel that you feel a sense of wonder, but also the sense of unity when everyone has their flags up and knowing that some people 
for their entire lives wanted to be here. And you get to experience that and be a part of that magic. It was just wonderful. Could you feel a different level of appreciation? 100%. Like, I'm a big music festival goer. I love music. I love sharing uh, moments like that. I love dancing. And at Tomorrowland, you just have, it's that at a global scale where you're meeting people who share the same values, like you said, but from different parts of the world and that add their own flair to it. And the people that you meet there can become my girlfriend or the people that you meet there can also become lifelong friends. Like we met uh, not just those two girls from Tomorrowland last year, but we met uh, some workers at Tomorrowland from Belgium and we got dinner with them again. And it was cool because in this dinner, uh, those workers, like they made advancements in their careers. And one of them actually hosts the VIP experiences for Tomorrowland now. And so it was cool to just see like their growth and sure our growth. But at the same time, it was just like, what, what a beautiful like opportunity or a human moment to just meet someone from across the world and be, and allow them to like peel back the curtain and see a bit of their lives and follow their journey. Like that to me is just what being alive should be about. Wow. You keep saying sharing each other's own development. Mm -hmm. What's the significance of that for you? Even though we're different and have different cultures, different upbringings, maybe some even different values, but like at a core, there are so many major themes that humans as a whole have, like love for people that they care about, uh, building social mobility in a sense, or just like being happy, achieving joy, achieving peace. Like those general themes uh, really are opportunities for us to connect, but also just like other opportunities for us to see like how the other side of the world uh, views it or how they, how they view their development and like what is of importance to them. So I, I think it's really mm. cool. Any key differences just on how people view their own development? Key differences. I'm in a place where I'm trying to figure out what my path looks like. Obviously, I've experienced what the default path is called, uh, corporate nine to five, and it brings great stability, but I don't think it's for me. The friends that we met at Tomorrowland, they, uh, they don't embrace the work culture of America, where it's like work, give a lot of hours, and then maybe play on the weekends or the 15 or 20 days of PTO that you accrue. Like just in Europe itself, you get an entire month off, like August off, and, and it comes with even more vacation days. Like that, the idea of work and culture and play is much more different in Europe versus America where it's all about like capitalism or building. Mm. Overgeneralizing a bit, but those are some of my thoughts. Well, I, I mean, just think about what that reframing does for you in terms of like your goals and what you care about. If you associate your development as experiencing and you're not constantly pulled by this, hey, for 40 hours a week <laughs> at minimum, you got to be like performing at this level, especially us coming from a sales uh, background, which is great because it can enable, um, a lot of cash, but 
I can relate with you on that's the constant pull that's bringing me back every single week. Whereas I can see how a different level of confidence would come out of you when you don't have that pull anymore and you can just like everything's your free reigns. They open up for me the an idea of just uh, unhook the chains and allow myself to be free and open of what there is to come in life. Cause like their idea of work and plays is very different, but they also get paid uh, differently as well. Like uh, median salary in Europe or Spain is very different than median salary in uh, the States. And I don't have any reports that say like which country is happier, but like the way the Spaniards do it, where they have like a siesta and then uh, work maybe four to five hours a day and they focus their day on experiencing rather than working. I don't know. That seems kind of appealing to me, but at the same time, it's like, pick your, uh, you got to pick your path here because building capital yeah. is also a smart move, but also what's the balance, right? Of course, everything always gets brought back to balance, which is another testament on why it's so beneficial to get exposed to how other people have lived their life. Because then you can call out certain things on you being too invested in one direction where you mm -hmm. can level out to another. I was going to ask, uh, any sets that stuck out in particular? That's Gosh. In. Yeah. Um, one of the, the very first sets was Mal P. Uh, and he just brought an electrifying uh, first set for the weekend, really kicked us off in the right direction. And he was a rising artist. and uh some of the songs there were also parallels to to our experience stuff from amsterdam and then uh that's a black coffee like seeing uh a guy with only one hand like do his work and like literally move thousands of people with just one hand and his sound and his music that to me uh was quite illuminating of just like dang this is awesome. And like, look at all these people and like, he's doing it with one hand. What genre is this? Black coffee. I would say, Ooh, I don't want to get, I don't want to get this incorrect, but I would say more like tribal house. Okay. Nice. Yes. So like deep is... jungle vibes a bit. I, I almost get like Tulum, mm. dark Abitha vibes. I, I don't know. I'm, uh, I'm not too big on, uh, the labels yeah how was the techno music techno music was great i <laughs> it's very fast beat and it, it's still i think an acquired taste for me uh what do, what about you like are you a big techno fan are you a big house fan what's your genre uh, of choice here i mean uh i feel like as like vlad's friend i just like naturally become a house <laughs> and techno fan um, exactly but yeah i i've actually this is an interesting concept but I mean, I love experiencing live music, of course, and I'll listen to techno or house, but I have to limit my music consumption because mm -hmm. it exhausts me. I feel like it just like overfills my dopamine when I'm listening to a lot of music. Um, so I have to like chill out and either be in silence or uh, switch to like lo-fi or something just like low impact. I don't know if you've experienced that before. Techno for sure. I, I, I can't listen to it. Uh, I, I'm still getting used to it, but like techno is not something I've listened to on my day to day. Uh, but 
beats that are typically slower if I want more critical thinking to be done, mm. I put on the background. Uh, instrumentals. I've been really getting into instrumentals like piano music. Uh, mm. Love that. Um, there's also instrumentals of EDM music in piano form. So that's a, that's a totally different genre that I want to push your way. <laughs> oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. What other type of piano music? You get into like jazz? Jazz piano is great. Uh, nice. Um, study piano, Spotify playlists, all up in that. Uh, but yeah, music to me is like, it elicits emotion. It brings people together. Live music does the same. Uh, but also like, it can also bring you back to moments. Like I'm listening to songs mm. from Tomorrowland itself and they're like i can feel my body like just prime up like get electrified have more energy sometimes even goosebumps or if i'm like re-watching i put some tomorrowland sets on youtube while i'm doing some work and like that stuff can energize me but at the same time like it can also take my energy away if it's just too much uh <laughs> yeah yeah it can maybe get you really excited too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What, what about when you're listening in a live set? Does that take you back to certain feelings or moments of different nostalgia? Yeah. Um, there's actually funny enough that you ask. There's a moment uh, where in Tomorrowland where Martin Garrix, as well as uh, Alesso had their first B2B like ever. And so it was kind of a, a historic moment for, my type of EDM that I like. Um, and it was cool because uh, typically Martin Garrix doesn't really play his older songs. The, the songs that uh, when I was in college, I'd listen to, but he played a few of those songs uh, when he did that B2B. And that really brought me back to my college days of like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard this song. Just like by myself. Uh, yeah. but also like, I haven't heard this song played live since I don't know, 10 years ago. And that like brings like when you're in the moment and also really in the moment, like it can really bring you, uh, like different reflections or just things that go off in your head of like, wow, it's been 10 years and look at where I'm here. Like I'm in the music festival of the world. And like, then you get to really think, uh, and reflect and then dance and make a fool of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Life's crazy, man. What, what reflections, if like comparing to your 10 year old self to that moment, did you, did you gain? Yeah. Appreciation. Uh, a lot of times I'm just like, man, I can't believe I'm here right now. I was a relatively shy kid when I grew up. Um, and as an immigrant too, you try to keep your head down and, you're not, you try not to be loud. You uh, almost in a sense, try to be unseen. I didn't even know English that well. So I was originally placed in ESL too. And then I realized that's not the fastest way for me to learn English. And so I had to really uh, kind of fly underneath the radar or try to, uh, especially <laughs> after kids would tease me and, and stuff. But like moments like that, and comparing myself to moments where I'm at now, it's just a sense of, I think, joy and proudness that like, wow, if you set your heart to it, you can develop, you can grow to the person that you want to be. 
and we're really just getting started. It's beautiful that you've stayed true to yourself to be alongside this path in spite of the deviating influences that could have steered you away on the stereotypical path, for example. I think we're put here to understand our own talents and gifts and how we can share that with the world. And when you're honest with yourself and true with yourself and you kind of start realizing where that brings you, that's an opportunity to explore that more and see how it man continues to manifest itself so that you can make that impact for those around you. What are your thoughts with that? You're exactly on the money. Uh, you need to know who you are or be in the process of figuring it out and being able to show up as your true self so that you can show up for other people around you. And as we were saying earlier, it's important to have that support system so that you can have the boldness and the courage to actually go down that path. Speaking of that, like having a strong community also allows you to heal as well. And I wanted to just, uh, there was an experience that I experienced after Tomorrowland. Uh, it was two days. I was in this wellness resort. And uh, after kind of a fairy tale weekend, really, um, you are trying to adjust and acclimate to reality again. But because of just so much wonder that had happened in that weekend, my heart was opened and it was primed to uh, be more open. And so a really interesting experience happened to me. I was getting a massage at this wellness resort and um, this lady, she was uh, probably mid fifties, early fifties. Um, my massage therapist, she was massaging my head and then she was like massaging my hair and playing with my hair. And for some reason in that moment, because my heart was really primed uh, for just like letting my guard down, letting go, being open, I felt the urge to cry. Like I felt that the way she played with my hair was something I was missing in terms of my childhood. I never received the care and attention uh, in terms of the nurture aspect. When I was a kid, it, like shout out my parents, my mom in particular, they were great. Uh, they made sure that I always had food on the table, didn't have to worry about money, didn't have to worry about uh, school, et cetera. But because my, I was raised as a single parent family, she had to sacrifice a lot of uh, the attention and care or nurturing uh, that a kid needs when they're developing and that I had to do for myself or just shut off for myself. And that all came out during like that, the way she was playing with my hair and massaging my head just triggered me into some tears, which eventually led to like full on, I wouldn't say sobbing, but like I started crying uh, or just tears streamed down my face. And then obviously once the massage was over, she was just like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And I was just like, no, it's cool. You remind me of my grandma. And well, my grandma's going through some health complications, but like that combined with just the fact of uh, some of the trauma I was trying to, that I experienced as a kid or the lack of care that I received, it made me realize that I put a lot of my guard up. Like I felt like there were barriers around my heart because I didn't, mm. I had to protect myself in a sense when I was a kid uh, or give myself the care, but in, in a sense also harden the shell. And in that experience, 
I immediately ran to my room because I knew I felt like the dam was about to explode in terms of emotion. And like for almost 40 minutes to an hour, I was full on, like just in a re release of emotion. It was the most intense crying I've ever done. It was cathartic. I had, I remember in the middle of this like 40, 50 minute bout, I had to turn on some music because there were cleaning ladies out. I didn't want to, them to think I was going to do something crazy inside because I was crying loudly. Um, and once I turned, played, turned the music on, uh, I felt like dancing. And so now I'm going to sound like a crazy man, but I was like crying the hardest I've ever cried, dancing to music. And then I just felt like I wanted to document this. So I journaled my feelings in the moment. And that itself went on for third, like the crying, journaling, dancing, 40 to 50 minutes. And once it finally stopped, I felt the most free I ever did. It felt like all my, like 90 to 95% of the shields that I put up around my heart were lowered, were dissolved, and that I could literally walk and bring the rawest form of myself, the most authentic version of myself to the world around me. Uh, and that was very special because like now I'm walking around thinking to leave my heart open and that I want to be a better human in, in a sense and allow others to also feel the same way. That's beautiful. What does this tell you about masculinity? Ooh, damn. <laughs> Great question. Uh, for me, that's tough. Um, for me, I grew up raised by my mom, so I didn't have a father. And it was a blessing and a curse, but I, I'd say it's a, it's a blessing, more of a blessing for me than not. And I say that because it, I never had a role model I looked up to, a male figure, male role model, where I could uh, use as an example to build my own masculinity. So I never had any influences to what I think a man should be. And I got to pick and choose that on my own. And for me, like, I think crying still, especially in Western or like in US uh, for men, it's still less normalized, especially in therapy as well. But because I was, I had the opportunity to figure that out for myself. Like, I think personally that being able to show up and feel every emotion and show your emotion in any situation is the most masculine thing somebody can, can do. Like holding yourself back and the definition of like trying to look like a man, trying to be more masculine is like a double-edged sword because uh, mm. I think real leaders uh, like are able to show themselves without any veal and inspire others to do the same with truth truth that's that's a big component of it if you're trying to be this idea of what you think a man is that's adding to that lack of authenticity whereas like you were saying earlier <clears throat> being open being goofy being who you are that's the strongest thing a man can do and actually putting that into action right strongest thing a human can do yeah yeah love it what, what about fantastic. you like what's what's your idea of masculinity and how do you 
how does that idea evolve as you've grown? I think it's very difficult to stay true to yourself and to have that manifest itself and express itself in everything that you do. It may feel like a longer road. I'm by no means a fake it till you make it person. Even with my career, the way I go about life, I never fake it till I make it. I always fail flat on my face through action. And that's how I learn the most about myself, about others. That's, I think there's irreplaceable value to living your life that way because then you're gaining actual learnings on developing your character and who you are in light of the path that you're destined to be on just by simply reflecting on yourself. Does this feel true to me and letting that be a guide that to me is masculinity. And that comes with being honest about how you feel, um, being able to channel and express certain emotions for opportunities to connect with others. That's what masculinity is to me so that you can surrender and, uh, follow the path that's carved out for you originally. Yeah. I love that. There's a, a quote that I'll find that I'm trying to find right now that really ties into that. And like, I see it and I can feel it here just being, uh, your podcast guest that like, I see you making moves. I see you trying, I see you striving and that in itself is inspiring for others as well. And like you're building, like you get to mold, not just your own masculinity, but like you're helping others mold it as well. Cause like you're uh, an example of what others can be. Thanks brother. I appreciate that. And I relate with what you're doing too. That That's why I said it's so beautiful when people stay true to themselves and they actually act and follow that path because it does not go unnoticed. It's an influence. It's someone going against the grain and saying like, this is me originally. And like we've been talking about through this episode, we connect over shared values that are important. That's the opportunity for connection, but it manifests itself in different ways. And when we go against that and we either sacrifice values or we don't stay true to ourselves and we conform, that's not human. Exactly. That's not human. And I hate it when people uh, cower in fear or are afraid of what others think. And like, I pull up this quote, if you want to hear it real quick, it's by yeah. Winston Churchill. You've probably heard of it. And it's mm. the man in the arena. And he says, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again, because there's no effort without error or shortcoming. But who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end that the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who never knew neither victory nor defeat. Ooh. Dude, Winston Churchill is like a one-of-a-kind leader. That yeah. was powerful. Yeah, he's the OG. Do you remind yourself of that quote to 
press you forward in any ways? Absolutely. For me, like even I think in the path of entrepreneurship, like reading many success stories of entrepreneurs means that you're also reading all the failures that they've had. Every entrepreneur that I've known is just like, wow, I had to almost sell my house. I almost had to uh, go bankrupt twice. And, but like they bet on themselves and they're the man, woman in the arena. Uh, and that to me is just a reminder of like, let's strive for more uh, and let's like see where this goes and not to sell myself short. And like an, another great quote that I have that I also constantly remind myself is from Michelangelo, another OG. Uh, and he says, the greatest danger for most of us is not that our aim is too high and we miss it, but that it is too low and we reach it. And I had that written before I moved mm. just on my desk every time, because I know like to remind myself, like, what are we truly capable of? Like, seriously. And I need that as a constant reminder of, Hey, there's more that you can do not to like burn yourself out, but like there's more impact that you can make. If you think bigger, if you put yourself out there, if you don't cower, uh, towards these opportunities. I love that too. I, I like framing it as being limited or being limitless. So, cause there, there's a balance there. You don't want to continuously be sacrificing your life towards a, a future vision all the time. I've definitely fallen in that trap as many have, <laughs> but having no expectation and embracing delayed gratification alongside a limitless path opens you up so that you don't have limited beliefs and you can achieve what you're meant to achieve by focusing on who you are developing yourself as a person um, in light of those limitless beliefs. Exactly. 100%. Like it all comes down to the growth mindset. Like having a fixed mindset limits yourself to your current state. Having the growth mindset opens yourself up to opportunities like you. Like I want to go and go to Germany to experience something different because I know it's going to grow me as a person. Like it's aligned to the journey, the hero's journey that you want to embark on and like only respect to you. Thanks brother. Exactly. The, the thoughts that went into going to Germany was, I, th I think there's a lot of value in being aware and self-directed enough to intentionally place yourself in certain environments and circumstances so that you open up enough space. You were saying that earlier, and I love that phrase. I never used that, but I love intentionally opening up space so that you can invest in yourself for different parts of you to come out. And being curious and open to what that looks like, I think is so powerful, man. Like... Ah, just getting stuck in the routine and the pattern that's just like it's limiting we've been talking about it this whole episode but i could go on and on it's just i just do not think that's the goal especially like before you have children and you're raising a family to me it makes a lot of sense as like a leader in the family to go and gain those learnings and insights fail a million times act and then the person you develop yourself to be then you can be that much more of a parent to who your children are 
and then share that with them alongside their development so that they're set up to grow into these amazing, beautiful people as well. Wow. I have the biggest smile on my face right now because you and I share the same idea. Like a lot of times I'll go into a cold shower and it's like, especially in the winter, it'll be so uncomfortable of just like, man, I don't want to do this. But a lot of times I go and do it. And the first few words is I'm doing this for my future family. I'm doing this for my future kids. Like I want to be strong for them. And it's very similar to when I travel and when I like want to experience as much of the world as possible before having and raising kids is because by then I want to be uh, a role model or have enough experiences to be able to pick and choose which ones I think are the best Mm. for my family so that we can embark on this journey together and ultimately allow them to be independent thinkers. But uh, knowing myself and knowing that I'm going to be a great dad, hopefully they'll also agree in how I raise them. But like, it's not about me, it's about them. But uh, getting off a tangent here, but the family aspect is key, especially like future family too. Of course. And yeah, you're giving me chills right now, man. It's great. Um, and, and the family idea or, or just starting with, you know, your, your partner and your loved ones, it's a, it's a strong driver for building yourself to be a stronger person through these experiences, as opposed to just like, Oh, I, I'm developing to be a strong person. It's like, that's a grounder of you're being strong so that you can share that with the people around you to lift others up. And it starts with, you know, like your partner that goes into your family and then ultimately it pours out to your friends and the world, your circle, who you surround yourself by. Exactly. And like moving just to even a bigger picture, like one of the greatest things in my opinion we can do is to dedicate ourselves to a cause greater to ourselves. And like one, it can be impact Mm. to the world, but one, it can also, if on a smaller scale, be the impact that you make to your partner, to your family. And that to me allows like another level of growth of just like, I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this Mm. for the others around me. Wow, that's great because what you're doing with that is you're reinforcing this limitless concept that we're talking about because we as people are limitless but if it's completely selfish oriented i would argue that that's gonna put you in a negative constraint and a limited path but if you tie yourself to a higher idea of how you can and it would be a positive idea with my reasoning because that is like limitless upwards instead of decline but if you tie yourself to that and that's your purpose, your mission, then it gives you room for your self-growth and then obviously sharing that with others. And we're, we're a connected species. We're, we're supposed to share with other people in order to feel the most fulfilled because um, it's not about you. It's about all of us. Uh, but yeah, man, I, I just I love what you said there. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, many more of these conversations will be had and I love it. Yes. Yes, man. I I love it too. What can you tell me about the spontaneity of meeting this Amsterdam group brought out of you? What what events triggered after that, if any? Yeah. Uh, Funny you asked. Um, For me, I came to Tomorrowland, not with the idea of like, I'm going to expecting any outcome and definitely not a girlfriend, but for me, I went to the idea of like, I want to make friends. I want to make connections. 
I want to be able to share experiences and have great stories. Uh, and like having a great story really revolves around having great moments too. And not like I'm trying to create great moments, but sometimes when your heart is open, those moments just come out naturally. And like, for an example, this girl that, uh, who is currently my girlfriend, so kind of jumping the gun on the story here, uh, her name is Megan. She's from Amsterdam. And initially when we first met, we met up for dinner as a group and the dinner went great. Alcohol was flowing. The food was amazing. And we just had a great time. It was like as good as it could have gone for six strangers meeting each other. And like, that was because we all showed up with open hearts of like, I want to get to know your culture. You want to get to know mine. And in a few days, potentially we get to dance and laugh and have a wonderful time at Tomorrowland. And so going with that uh, idea, we hung out throughout the music festival and there was a specific moment on Saturday where after hanging out all Friday, after Saturday, we danced together. It was a great time. I uh, sent her a song because I was down bad. I was simping for this uh, girl that I just met in Amsterdam. Her name is Megan. And I sent her a song saying, hey, I don't know what I just experienced uh, at the last set of day two but it felt like we were the only people dancing in a room of thousands. Uh, we were just dancing in locked eyes the entire time, like really had a deep connection. And I told her, these feelings are indescribable. So instead, I'm going to let this song describe it for me instead. As you can tell, I'm wait, hardcore romantic and uh, head over heels in love with this girl. So coincidentally, the next day, I sent her that song by Rufus the Soul. It's called Make It Happen. Coincidentally, the next day, the very first set that we were at together it was by Dom Dalla. And for some reason, he played a remix of that song, Make It Happen. And it was really dope uh, because it was just like, oh, what a coincidence. So fast forward a few hours, we go to the Ferris wheel uh, and it's just me and her. And we're queuing in line saying that, oh, uh, there's four to six people to each cart. And we probably have to double up with random strangers. It is what it is. But once we got to the front of the line, uh, there were three lines to help guide people into the carts. The lady at the very end waved at us and said, hey, come to me. I'll give you all a private cart instead. And so like, it was those special moments that really just added beauty to the entire experience. And on that private cart, um, we spoke about and reflected about the, the weekend, how our hearts were open, how we were open to, to just having a good time and not seeing where things went, but not having any expectations. And so she wanted to continue that. And so she invited me to go to Spain in Valencia uh, around two weeks later. And so obviously I'm unemployed, even though I was supposed to go to Munich for longer, I changed up my plans and I decided that I wanted to see where the story continues. And like, if I didn't have my heart open of like meeting other people or just meeting different experiences, being open to these experiences, I don't think I would ever get there. But like fast forward the entire uh, week to Valencia, uh, we had a great time in Valencia. Valencia is a great country, by the way. 
highly recommend people uh, visit the city. Of but on the very last day, she got us a sunset cruise. And it takes around 15 minutes for the little dinghy boat to go out to the sunset viewing spot. And funny enough, once we got to the sunset viewing spot, the captain is like, hey, we're here. And he plays music. And the first song that he plays is Make It Happen, the song that I sent her on Saturday, like two weeks back. And to me, I was just like, wow. In the moment, I was like, the universe is trying to be my wingman. And it's telling me to make mm -hmm. it happen. And so I asked her to be my girlfriend. Uh, and, <laughs> and now we are dating long distance, uh, seven hour time zone apart, 11 hour flight away, but we really made it happen. And like out of the entire, uh, out of the entire trip, like this is one of those beautiful moments that really gave me hope and just like opened up my heart to like anything is possible. Cause Never in a million years did I think I would go to a music festival and meet my girlfriend from Amsterdam. But like, because I was open to just experiencing anything, now we're here. Do you think there's a correlation between heart openness and the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, implementing these signs and omens and different energy forces inside of your life? <laughs> Funny enough you say that. Uh, I personally class myself, classify myself as like an agnostic. I think there is a God, but the way that we interpret God is not the way it should be interpreted. I don't know, but I, I don't uh, subscribe myself to current ideologies. But that said, I do think I remember saying this to my mom, actually, of just like, I'm not stupid. I'm like, I am very evidence driven. I look at facts. I look at science and like signs and omens. Come on. Like, that's funny. Uh, but then at the same time I flipped it around my head and I was like, if I didn't follow these signs and omens, I feel like I'd be stupid. Um, mm. so in a sense to answer your question, you should open up your heart and like let anything or let the energy that you want to attract in and see what happens. And like I have no regrets yes. at the moment, so uh, I'll keep the viewers updated or the listeners updated in a year or two years or if I get married. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you think being evidence-based, is that? can you see how that would contribute to uh, being closed? In a sense, yes. I grew up Christian, raised progesterone Christian, and to me, I kind of took a step away from the faith because I took a course in, in Christianity. And one of the questions I asked my pastor was, oh, um, is there any hard evidence that like Jesus was resurrected? And he told me that that is part of faith. You have to believe in Christianity uh, for that to be. And like, do I believe in Christianity? I kind of take a step back away from it. But at the same time, me being closed off to the idea of faith also closed me off to the religion. And so mm -hmm. will I ultimately after death find out if I made the right choice or not? I guess uh, we'll <laughs> see. Uh, but to answer your question, I think it does go both ways. Like, yes, it's important to be driven by 
hard, tangible things that you can touch, but also mm-hmm. being spiritual and being abstract and the way you live your life can also open yourself up to a girlfriend <laughs> in my case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love how you touched on being spiritual because I guess like, into, like religion aside, when you're overly evidence-based, I guess like in my head, I'm just like envisioning someone who's like super driven by logic and they have a lot of rigidity and they just use that as their guide. To me, it seems like a lot of ego can be embedded inside of that because you're reinforcing your guard up with all these constraint logics um, to go into what your position is. And I mean, like, I'm not saying that's a bad thing because that's a good guide. Obviously, we need logic and reason in order to make sense of our life and pave us in a sensible direction. But also, I, I question what, where's the feeling within being heavily leaning on that as well. So I think that there's a balance to be made there so that you can open yourself up to feel more. And in my experience, and I'd love to get your take on it, but, and I'm not saying to do this blindly. I think that's maybe where people go wrong is they, they feel too heavily to where it's blind without having some sense with inside of it, or they feel too um, logically without the feeling. So there's a nice balance that I think can be made where you can kind of surrender yourself to certain feelings and certain energies around you so that you actually acknowledge and invite them in uh, to take you. Um, Whereas if you're too heavily leaning on the evidence and logic, perhaps you're so closed off that you miss out on actually feeling what that is. I, I agree with you. And like, I can also kind of add more color in a scientific way of like before Gal- was it Galileo who said the world is round. Uh, and the world, I think so. The, yeah. The world revolves around the sun, something like that. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. The entire science community was like the world is flat and the sun revolves around earth. And like, in a sense, you could say they were just going by things that that hard evidence was giving uh, and they didn't know any better. But at the same time, like Galileo, he pushed those ideas. He was comfortable with the idea of being wrong, but also comfortable with different energies and different uh, ideas that like really tested the current uh, status mm. quo. And I think we have to be open in a sense of like, yes, stay strong, stay true to who you are, but also have a bit of openness to like challenge your own ideas. I know who is a Charlie Munger. He said it best. He said his best investment ideas uh, are constantly challenged every year. Like he doesn't subscribe to just one single idea, but he tries to take down those ideas every year because he wants to evolve and become better. Mm. I love that, man. It's a, it's a balance of being continuously open to evolve, but also being accountable to choosing. So you're not just so indecisive in light of all the opportunity. Right. Um, and uh, appreciation, I think as well, man, cause I guess just going on this feeling concept, because it's actually a big part of my life. I, I, I feel like I feel a lot of things and it helps me attract a lot of things into my life and it helps me uh, 
gain more energy and strength because I'm able to have like a good sense of where different energies are at and how that adds to my momentum and how I can kind of like surrender mm -hmm. to that to guide me forward. Um, so to me, it, it, it makes a lot of sense that we're limited by our senses. And if you're closed off to what's what you see or what's in front of you, then you're not going to be open to maybe feel those other energies. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I just wanted to get that out there because <laughs> that's no, what I'm about. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, feeling is huge. And like, especially gut feeling too. I, I've mm. realized I am leaning on that more and more because yes, your brain is giving you senses, but there's so much that's happening in your subconscious as well that you can't really tease out to your prefrontal cortex. And, but your body feels it especially like stored trauma, if we want to go into like the psychological side, you can't really think of how trauma affects your day to day, but like it is affecting your ideologies and values in your subconscious. Mm -hmm. And that carries out to the actions in your day to day. And so you have to, in a sense, uh, also recognize that. How are you carrying the learnings from this experience into your life now? For me, I am challenging even more so my, the ideas that I used to have of building wealth, building capital, stable job, and investing more into an undefined path, the path less traveled. And for me, that may be entrepreneurship, or that may be even switching careers five years into my current career and aligning myself to something that is closer to my heart's mission. It doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, but I'm just like more open to, hey, every idea that I have right now can be challenged. And I should be open to the idea that uh, in a few months, in a few years, or even in a few days, that I have the flexibility to pick and choose what my life will look like. Not because I subscribe to the current social norms, but I can even put those aside, especially now that I've traveled globally and I realized social norms, I really felt the effect of social norms because like living, growing up in America, we have our norms. Growing up in Europe, they're their norms and they think their norms are normal. Uh, when in reality, and I subscribe to so many of the ideas of how I was raised because I was a product of my environment, but now like even more so I get to pick and choose of just there are so many different ideologies on how you can live your life. And now more so than ever, I'm in a position where I can pick and choose what that will look like, what my life will look like, what the next few years will look like. And Damn. just optimism coming out from this trip. Obviously, I caught the tra travel bug a bit because it brings wonder and a sense of humanity and a sense of just feeling alive to your day to day that I know my sales job is not going to give me. Uh, yeah. So now I'm like, heart is open, figuring out what my next steps look like, taking on any projects. And just like you said, being curious to whatever uh, is out there and what could happen. That's fantastic. Andy Chen, thank you so much for joining. I greatly appreciate this all together and i'm looking forward to what unfolds for you and alongside your path brother
Thanks, man. It's been an honor and a pleasure. And I'm happy to be able to share some ideas with you and your listeners. Thank you. Until next time. I want to be your lover Tied up and twisted around I want to be 